You're listening to Irish Radio Canada Home and Abroad and we heard uh, a little about the convention that was on in San Francisco, the North American Convention of Cultus Cultorian. And uh, it was the first time that people were able to get back together in over two years face to face. And while this is always a very big event, I do know this year it was a little bit smaller, less people had travelled than would have been the norm. And the, the North American Convention also encompasses an opportunity for the Eastern Canada uh, board and group to participate. Maury Mulvey O'Leary is the chair of the Eastern Canada um, I, conference, I guess it would be. Uh, Maureen will tell me on that and put me straight. Maureen, thanks a million for taking a few minutes. Uh, what is it? It's the Eastern Canada what? Region. Regional board, yeah. Okay. The Eastern Canada Regional Board is part of like the whole thing. It's the North American uh, uh, Cultus um, Convention. Um, this week, uh, every time we, every year, they, the North American. So, it's a chance for the Canadians to get together. But every region, they have their own meetings um, on the Friday morning, and then it's a big regional meeting. Uh, we're coming up to our anniversary, so I think next year is like 50 years of uh, North America having a, uh, the region uh, in. Canada, in, in North America. Right. Uh, yeah, I was actually, uh, yeah, I was actually going to ask you that, how long has this been happening? So you're saying coming up on a 50th anniversary, and that's powerful. Um, yeah. yeah. For, for, for North America, it's been longer than that in uh, Ireland. Naturally, naturally. Started in 1951. Yeah, but for, for an organization like Coltus to set down the roots and to be at a point where it's celebrating not just a local convention, but a, a North American convention coming on 50 years, is a, a powerful exactly. achievement. Exactly. Yeah. So, when did you first get involved, if I can ask, with Coltus? Well, I got involved at a very young age. I got involved in Ireland. Uh, in, we had a pub, and uh, there was always like festivals and stuff like that going on. And through my dancing and stuff, you know, I was always kind of involved with Coltus, you know. So then I came to Canada, and you know, my music was my love. I wasn't totally in, involved with the committee or anything. I don't even. I think I was here at the beginning of stages of of uh, North American cultures in Canada, but I didn't get on the board for a couple of years. I was only 19 when I came here first, but I did suss out where music was happening and, and where dancing was happening, and then um, I wasn't here very long until I ended up being in a position to be able to teach. You know? Right. Before, before you would have emigrated, uh, Maureen, cultists and traditional music um, I was the word enjoys is a, is a one bit wouldn't be the right word, but it has a mixed reception in Ireland, and uh, less so probably now than it did. But there were periods of times where people were looked on cultists as if you were nearly a radical. <laughs> they got into country, you know. So you know, you know when um, when the dance hall acts were out, and uh, you know they they kind of stopped doing the dancing in the barns and the kitchens and stuff. Then they uh, got into big dance halls, and it was all country and western rating, you know. So uh, uh, a lot of that, and then sessions would be, you know, uh, in pubs and stuff. But then now it's even like when it's a session, it's not always a session that you can sit in and join in on, unless you're like at a fla or something like that, you know. So 
uh, they say it's a session, but it's usually paid musicians who come in and play a bit of music. All right. Our, our it is gaining more uh, popularity, actually. Uh, a lot more popularity in Ireland. Yeah, I know that the, with the singing circles uh, particularly, and that there are singing circles all over the country, and I know that some of the people who participate will travel literally from Sligo down to Waterford and the opposite direction to participate, and some of the people that participate are particularly well-known. So when you got over same here... Thing the dancing, same thing with the dancing, but, you know, you'll pretty much know the circle of people. Indeed. Know, so when you got over here then, Maureen, um, you got involved in, as a participant rather than as a, an administrator or decision-making. Um, okay. And how, into, like... I've noticed over the last, we're here now, 34 years, that the demographic has changed, and that I mean that uh, the current generation would not be as close to traditional um, lore in many ways as we were, and as you identified, their country dancing came in, or the dance halls came in with country and Irish. Um, it, there's a bit of a revival, would you say? Um, yeah, there is. I, I think that... Um you know, I think sport has taken over where the music used to be, unless you're, like, really gung-ho into it, you know. So a lot of the young people that I meet when, when they come out here, they're looking for the GAA. They're looking for the football and the hurling and the camogie. And uh, sometimes I meet them and I say, well, do you dance? And they look at me and they say, dance? No. But when they meet other people who play or if they're if they're really if they're really pure trads they'll find the, the, the stuff but uh, otherwise we have to kind of suss them out I think the Celtic Tiger did a lot of damage to the <laughs> traditional music in Ireland right and the culture because they became so you know they don't need you know they don't need to gather together to, to meet people or do anything like that because they've got internet they've got WhatsApp, they've got Zoom, they've got, you know what I mean? And so everything is like at their fingertips. Like when we came out, we had to look and find other people to associate with because it wasn't just as readily there, do you know? So we had to find it. So, yeah, in many ways what you're talking about is the globalization of culture. And, exactly. and that has been to the detriment of many cultures that with the globalization of culture, uh, yeah, between YouTube and uh, TikTok and a variety of other things, that it puts something out to the world. But it also has the negative of, of uh, taking some of the local um, nuances away and the lo what, it, what would have been very much a rich part of a fabric of local cultural life. So then when you got here, um, you say from a straight, very early on you got into the dancing. Yes, I did. <laughs> it was always my big love, you know. As soon as I hear music, my body wants to move. <laughs> And when we talk about how there's some degree of revitalization happening and all the rest, the dancing itself has gone through a cyclical period where, um, you know, there's the joke out there about Irish dancing that when it was being taught, the last volume two, which in volume two was about the use of the, ar the arms and the hands. And <laughs> there was the period when Irish dancing was very st um, stiff in some ways. And it has become a lot more fluid, and yet that's actually going back to the way it would have been a long time ago. Absolutely. 
absolutely. We, we had Shanhose dancing that here in Canada where they were called a Newfie Shuffle, but there was always steps to it, you know. But uh, it was just very low to the ground, and then step dancing came. And now with the competitions and everything, it kind of took the revival. The river dance brought more people out and stuff like that. But it's almost like you have to be feeding people this stuff all the time so that they keep making them aware that it's there. And when they come out, they they say, oh, no, no. And then when they come out, they have fun and they enjoy it. They just got to get them out, you know. I don't know how we can do that. After this pandemic where people are almost afraid to come out, you know, but we're trying to get them back out again, you know. And on that one, when I was chatting with uh, your daughter Colleen and she mentioned how she was giving jive workshops at the convention in uh, San Francisco and has been doing it for a number of years, I will admit I was taken aback and I'm thinking, what is jive doing at a cultus session and a cultus convention and I was delighted to, to, to hear her talk about it and how it, it brings back in a whole generation that's right people don't know how to they don't, they don't really know how to do waltzing or driving you know and so at the cultus convention in Chicago they asked me if I would teach so I mean I, I've been jiving since I was a teenager and I taught all my brothers and sisters in half the town in Drumshambo as well and um, so when I came here, I, there was a few friends who come from Ireland, and when we'd go to some of the different county functions and they'd play the music, we'd Big Tom and Daniel O'Donnell. And the Irish jiving is, is not like, people would think it's like swing dancing, but it's not. It's very specific, you know, too, you know. So anyway, they, they wanted to do it in San Francisco again, and so Colleen and I went down and we did that. But then... I also taught a few different waltzes as well. So. Right. So then when you talk about San Francisco, you're there as the um, representing and the chair of the um, North, Eastern Region. The Eastern region. Yeah. Um, how did you find it from uh, that perspective of the coming together of the different regions and then when you all get together and look to the future? How was that for you? Well, you know, I've been going to the conventions for 35 years since they started doing them. Before this, they were conferences, right? So they were just meetings. And then they started bringing out... Dunicom Wienicon was one of the first people that they started to bring out. And then they started doing dancing and dance workshops. And and then from there, they started doing other music workshops. So it turned from being a conference to a convention. And um, first... Uh, convention I went to uh, was in Montreal where it became a region. There were two uh, conferences. It was a conference in 1985, 84, 85. And uh, that, I was at that one and then it went to Boston and anyway, when it came back to Montreal, I went to that one. And then it went to New York and I went to that one. And the next year it went to Chicago and I brought Colleen. She was five years old. She said she had such a good time at five, and she said to me, is this where you go when you leave me for the weekend? <laughs> I said, yes. She says, well, you're never leaving me again. <laughs> and she hasn't missed a convention since. No, and, and I can see that her uh, nature was obviously uh, showing itself at a young age as well, her enthusiasm and her bubbly nature. Yeah, for everything Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. I didn't have to encourage her. She, she you know, if I was doing something, she's uh, okay, Mom, you're doing it, it's going to be fun, I want to be there, right? 
So, looking to the future, Maureen, what might be coming down the pipe? Well, I don't, I don't know. Next year, the convention, people are looking forward to the conventions again, and they're talking about Washington next year, and they're talking about Buffalo the year after that. It's not all totally written in stone yet, but I'll let you know whenever it is. But uh, hopefully when it comes closer to home and things start opening up, people will want to to um, to attend. And if they're attending, they'll want to learn a little bit, and hopefully it'll revive it again. That's the way you can revive it. If they're not, If they don't see any reason to besides enjoying it and having fun, they don't see that there's a, a, a reason, you know? Like, we, even we do the Irish summer camp, and my, my goal is that we need parents to get on the same goal to get these kids playing music and then bring them to a session where they can play together and then listen to a big session so they can see where we can lead them and how, you know, popular it is if they don't see it. They don't know what it is, and they're not coming. Indeed. Maureen, we're going to wrap up. Time is running out. Okay. It's been brilliant connecting with you, and I want to thank you for taking the time. And I know you pulled over on the side of the road so you and I could have a chat, and I really appreciate that. And do keep me uh, informed of how things pan out, because I know both Washington and Buffalo are within driving distance for Absolutely. most of us, so it would be a good encouragement to be able to drive okay. down. So uh, I want to finish on a note to say thank you very much to the, all the San Francisco people. They treated us all with so well. They treated the Canadians, even though we didn't have a lot, with such respect. They included us in so many things, like I was teaching, Colleen was teaching. Colleen sang the National Anthem. Yes. And um, as well as, as all of that, and any time there was a Canadian flag to be carried, they made sure the Canadian people did that, and they treated us so well and with such respect and uh, I just want to say um, sorry to anybody who didn't make it because they did such a great job. And I think it's good to finish up and say that because also one of the things it's important that when you go in through the doors of cultists, despite the uh, regional differences that can happen and particularly back in Ireland where not only is there county differences but there are parish differences, when people get underneath the flag and uh, sing the national anthem it pulls everybody together. When they get out on the dance floor it pulls everybody together. Absolutely. So, indeed. Maureen Mulvey O'Leary, thanks a million for taking the time. Thank you very much, Austin.